Stay hungry, stay foolish. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. I have a dream. We'll one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Welcome back to the podcast, listeners. I'm your host, Ricky Bobby, and today we got another great episode. If you ain't first, you're last. If you want to go ahead and introduce yourself that'd be great well thanks ricky <laughs> uh, i'm pat i'm patrick wiley i'm managing partner of 321 media um uh, yeah thanks for having me on the show <laughs> no problem no it's max here guys um just thought i'd change up the intro a little bit just because why not and have a little fun with the podcast usually they're sometimes serious so I don't know. Figured I'd change it up a little bit, but uh, I met Patrick through uh, BNI. I've had several other guests on, uh, and uh, Patrick has a really interesting business and and background. Um, you actually have a podcast yourself, right? Yeah. Uh, so our business produces podcasts uh, mm-hmm. for small businesses, um, and yes, I do have a couple of podcasts myself. One is called the. Uh, the three, two, one endurance podcast. This is my, my passion project. I get to talk to all sorts of endurance athletes from literally all over the world, um, Mm -hmm. about their motivations, inspirations, um, and really is, is just a tool to meet cool people who do the same things that I do, you know, running marathons, triathlons, all that fun stuff to, you know, help inspire others. Um, and then our main show is the new England small business podcast. So very similar concept to what you're doing here is we talk to small business owners from all over new England. Um, and we spotlight them for about a half an hour or so. Um, and, and then we follow it up with some social content, which ties into the, the overall business plan for three, two, one media. Great. So I'd love to hear sort of your life story and background. Um, uh, yeah, so that'd be great because I love hearing people's life stories. Life story, man. Yeah. Well, it all started back in 1988 on this summer Saturday night. Uh, no, but uh, <laughs> so I'm a I'm a graduate of Charahoe High School. I think you you graduated Charahoe as well, right? Yes, sir. So I'm, I'm a little bit. I'm a lot older than you. Uh, <laughs> I graduated in 06. Um, after high school, I, uh, I went right to college uh, at CCRI and then Rhode Island College and had an internship at a company called GTEC, which is now IGT, right in downtown Providence. They um, have a lot to do with, with the lottery. They make lottery machines and games and all that sort of stuff. So I interned there in human resources for, a, I think it was about two and a half years. Um, and they offered me a full-time job as an HR coordinator, um, before I graduated, which I was super excited about. Um, and then I took the job and realized that I hated the job and I hated corporate America and all of the politics that are involved with that. Um, so I decided to drop out of school. Um, and I started my first business, um, was called UGE company. Um, it was underground entertainment. I was a, uh, live event producer, uh, promoter, and, uh, did video production for uh, a lot of hip hop artists. Um, some people that, you know, are famous now, um, when they weren't famous about, you know, 13, 14 years ago, I was doing videos for them. Um, so that that's my first hand in, in entrepreneurship. The business failed miserably, right? It was, it was a huge failure. Um, I did some cool stuff, but it just wasn't producing um, a livable wage for, for me and the people involved. So I actually left that business. Um, and that's when I started my first successful business uh, called Wiley Entertainment, which is a uh, mobile entertainment business specializing in wedding DJ, uh, photo booths, lighting, um, and from there, I grew that to a full-time operation through a franchise that I purchased called DJ Trivia. Um, and DJ Trivia, we do pub trivia. It's a national franchise. We do pub trivia right now at present. I think we have 19 restaurants throughout the state um, that we do every single week. And that's really what made it a full-time business for me. Um, that's kind of sustained me over the years. Uh, and it was all good until it wasn't good in 2020. Right. And, you know, 
the economy economy shut down, restaurants shut down, uh, and my business shut down right along with it. So I went from having a really good income. Uh, my wife was a stay at home mom to, you know, not having any income at all and figuring out how the heck am I going to put food on the table uh, when I can't work. So I decided, you know, at that point, entrepreneurship was no longer for me. I went back to school during 2020 and I finished my business administration degree that I, I did not finish when I first got into entrepreneurship. Um, I, during that time, I took a job running a marketing department for a public safety company in Fall River. Uh, again, uh, I realized very quickly that I hated corporate America and I wanted nothing to do with it ever again in my life. And it was at that time that I, you know, a conversation started with a, a good friend of mine and colleague, Ben Barber, who is the managing partner of three to one media. Uh, his, his, he was doing similar type of work, producing podcasts and live streams during the pandemic. And he had a lot of contacts. Um, and so why don't you quit that job in, in Fall River and, and come start this new business with me? And that was last summer. And here we are now. Great. Well, that's really interesting. Um, I have some questions about the businesses that you had just mentioned. Uh, and um, yeah, I mean, when it, when it comes to corporate America, um, I have very limited experience I haven't worked at a giant company before. I mean, I've worked at medium-sized companies, but nothing massive. But I have had customers through my 3D printing company that are of corporate America. And I never knew that getting paid could be so difficult. <laughs> so many different papers, so many different steps, so many people you have to talk to just to do one job is... is I guess, sort of a, a preview of what it could be like working there. I mean, I know my dad has been working with Schneider Electric now for a long time. He was there before it was Schneider Electric. It was APC. And uh, to see the steps and procedures he has to go through is, is uh, I don't know if I could do it either. <laughs> so <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame you for those struggles and not wanting to do it because working a nine to five is, 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 is very, um, I don't know how to put it. I mean, it's, it's tough on you, not not in a physical way, but from a mental standpoint. I think is it's very difficult to want to deal with that large of a of a company and with all those different procedures. But yeah, it didn't really mesh well with my personality. That's for sure. I'm I'm a little too type A, a little too much of a control freak to have to deal, like you said, jumping through those steps. So it's like a vertical organization versus a horizontal. So vertical, mm -hmm. you have to go through five different people to get something approved versus, you know, a small enterprise where everybody has the same information. It's a, it's a lot easier to deal with. Yeah. So, you know, why don't we just start off with 321 Media because it's really interesting to hear what you guys, what you guys do. It seems like you do a num number of different things and you sort of brushed over it. But uh, before you were coming, before you were on this podcast, you were said that you were shooting um, some sort of video or something like that. Yeah. So I, I guess I can talk about it now, now oh, okay. that everything's official. Um, so we, uh, you know, we, we picked up a new client recently, um, a, a political client. We're working on a campaign for a gubernatorial candidate um, who happens to be the incumbent governor of Rhode Island. Um, so oh. we are doing all of the social media content creation for the campaign. And uh, Governor McKee was announcing his campaign today at a manufacturing facility in East Providence called IGUS that makes plastic molded injected type things. I don't really know what they do for robotics. Um, so, sounds like something like right up your alley, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, yeah, I got to tag along with, with the news crews and film the governor for a couple of hours. And, and that was, uh, it was pretty exciting. Yeah. Very interesting. We'll see how that goes. Um, I, I mean, the only political, I mean, I've had two people that are into, or are into politics on, uh, one of which is retired from politics, but the other Blake Philippi, who is, uh, the Republican minority leader for the House of Representatives of the state of Rhode Island and a uh, really great guy. And I was glad to have him on and love to have some more guests on that are in the political atmosphere. There's always things that you can learn from, you know, both sides. Um, no, that, that's that's for sure. And, and not, you know, not to cut you off air, I think it's important no, it's okay. to let the listeners know that I am not affiliated with any political party. I am <laughs> I am an independent uh, free thinker. So, uh, again, like you said, it is important to hear both sides of the aisle. And, you mm -hmm. know, that's that's some 
place that I fell short earlier in my adulthood and earlier in my career was I was very one side of the aisle. And um, I, I think a lot that happened in 2020 had opened up my eyes to a lot of things that, you know, hey, it's it's not really good to, to be one minded and being able to hear both sides of the argument and come to your own conclusion and not listen to any one particular candidate, uh, politician or news outlet, I think is very important. Amen. That is perfectly stated, sir. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and, and let's talk about, you know, what makes producing a podcast. I mean, I, I mean, I've sort of brushed over it today. I had Bill Bartholomew on who also produces podcasts, but what is the step-by-step process of how you produce podcasts? And I'm curious to hear, you know, when it comes to marketing and things like that as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I can I can give you like the executive level overview, right? Because I'm not okay. the one who necessarily has my hands dirty in all of this stuff. My my role with three two one media is is business development. So mm-hmm. I form relationships and and look to expand the business uh, and and things of that nature. But how essentially we're producing podcasts are all virtual, right? So all of our podcasts are virtual. Our podcast clients. Um, when they sign on with us, they get a little starter pack. So we'll send them, uh, you know, a, a mic similar to what you're using, um, a light, things of that nature. Because you know, we are on video. We need them to look good, uh, or you know, as good as they is good. I guess as good as they can look, but um, you know, as lit up as possible. Um, so how the our podcasts work are, you know, we're recording on a platform called Streamyard. So it is a virtual broadcasting tool that allows you to have a little bit of control, a lot more control over your recordings than Zoom, so to speak. That's mainly for the video aspect. So what we do is we extract the audio from the video and that's how we're getting that audio version of the podcast. What we're doing social media wise with the content is we're taking those videos and you know we're getting clips like there would be a shot of how we're looking at each other right now on zoom you know you above me or vice versa however we're looking at it and we'll cut those out up into uh pre-formatted content for tiktoks and reels and stories things of that nature um and then we have our post-production manager who will go through listen to the entire podcast and uh get some significant quotes uh you know anything important that was said that that might you know buzz in somebody's ear and we'll make quote cards infographics things of that nature um we have announcement cards that go out on social media to help promote all of that um i mean that in a nutshell is is really what we do um with with the podcasts and as far as the promotion goes again everything's on social media um that is the driving force of how we get listeners to those podcasts yeah, that's very interesting. I mean, people don't realize how difficult it is uh, to market and, and split up video and, and make it uh, applicable, and especially in aspect ratios for all those different platforms and things like that. It's very difficult, time-consuming. People don't realize it's like, oh, you just take the video, cut it, post it. It's like, well, that's <laughs> the biggest thing is the time, right? So yeah. that's that's what's a little unique about what we do is, you know, we're we're mainly focused on working with small businesses, right? Yes, we're involved mm-hmm. in political campaign and and that's fun and exciting and 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 you know, it's something sexy to say, right? But, you know, the small business stuff is, you know, you're you're focused on running your business. Um you can't be spending 4 hours editing a video, you know, just the time like as we're talking now, I have 25 gigs of video that I recorded today that's compressing and it's taking you know from the time it takes me to get it off the sd card onto the computer compress it and then get it onto a drive so my team can get after it that takes me about an hour to do that and that's Mm -hmm. like i haven't even looked at the footage you know what i mean so to do this for businesses it's a huge time saver yeah i mean as somebody i mean i have my own youtube channel and i i actually we talked about this a lot in a couple podcasts ago i had some 3d printing youtubers on who have you know a few hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube. And I dread editing videos. I hate it. I like, I don't enjoy it. You know, sometimes I do when I make a good video, like I feel like the best edited video I've ever done is on my, it's on my YouTube channel and it's a disc golf video. And I made the intro. It's like a bunch of fast cuts with some like music and it's just everybody throwing a disc and it's, I don't know, like it's a competitive intro or something like that my inspiration for that i don't know if you ever heard of uh, the good good guys on tick on um youtube no. uh their golf golf channel 
and their intros are a lot of fast cuts with some music and some and some really cool shots and that's sort of what inspired me to do it like that uh but that intro took me like an hour to do and it's <laughs> just a bunch of fast cuts and i'm just like i'm not built for this <laughs> yeah yeah that's you know and again i don't like doing that either that's that's not part of the business that i'm necessarily involved with thank god yeah. uh so you know it just so happened today i had to be on scene uh just given the nature of the client uh but yeah i hand that stuff off and we we have a great team of people who are experts at that and who have went to school for video editing and they've studied mm -hmm. that stuff so i'm i'm very happy to hand that work off and and just mingle and deal with the clients face to face yeah a lot of people don't realize how difficult it is especially when you're export importing exporting like 4k high quality video that takes a lot longer than people realize you know you're talking hours for you know half an hour worth of video sometimes right yeah. i mean even longer than that and and that's really the painstaking process of it and and a lot of these people think that you go on youtube you look at all these millionaire youtubers like they didn't work for it a lot of them some of them don't but a lot of them do and they and they really had to 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 grind and edit videos especially talking to uh, you know, three, I've had three YouTubers on my, on this podcast now, and they're up till the, you know, early morning editing videos, trying to get them out as quickly as they can pushing content. Content creation is not easy. And that's why you see a lot of businesses end up outsourcing it like with you guys, with companies like you. So I'm curious to hear about more about your first company, if you're willing to talk about okay, that. Okay, sure. So <laughs> I'm curious to hear why do you think it didn't work out? I I was I, I mean I, I would say I'm a, I was a young stupid kid, uh, mm -hmm. but I was I, at the time I wasn't focused on where I am now, right? Like I was, and I say I was a young kid. I was like 19, 20 years old. I was like your age, right? But with a different mentality. Um, it didn't work out for a variety of reasons. It didn't work out because. Um, you know, the people I was dealing with weren't necessarily business people. Um, we were all, again, young kids. Just We just loved music. We loved hip hop. We loved music videos. And we did it because we loved it. And we never charged what we were supposed to charge. And, you know, we didn't necessarily have the, the capital to purchase certain equipment that we needed. And we were, you know, we, we didn't have the best of the best. Um, but I, I think really the root of it, uh, to be quite honest and candid with you, was, you know, it was just a good time. It was a party. It was, you know, again, I was young and I was kind of finding myself uh, and I was more focused on the party than I was the business. So that's, yeah. that's, that's the Reader's Digest, I guess. Yeah, no, that's great. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and then on the flip side of that, what do you think made your second company work? Because you said that was your first successful company was your second one. Family. Um, yeah. When I started that business, I started it, um, let's see, 2010, 2011. So I had just met my wife. We were engaged. Uh, we were engaged like six months after we met and married nine months after that. And there was a time... I want to say it must have been in 2012 or 2013 when when the business was starting to get some legs but really wasn't you know everything i needed it to be and my wife was at stop and shop buying groceries and she had to put items back because the card was declined and it was when she told me that it, it was the most embarrassing thing that i've ever had to deal with um you know being a young like i was married young i think it was like 23 or 24 when i was married um but my goal was to be able to provide a life for my wife and eventually our kids when we had them um so when she came home from the grocery store in tears telling me that she didn't have enough money to buy groceries i said that that was the last time that was ever going to happen and i just had that motivation in the back of my head uh, every time I went out on a sales call or every time I went to an event and I just conducted myself in such a way where I wanted to set myself up for the future and have a good life for my family. So that, that really was the driving force behind me making that business successful. Great. That's a really great story. I mean, very inspiring. Um, yeah, it's a lot of times you hear these success stories of entrepreneurs and, 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 
it's not always a straight road and, and easy, you know, cruise control, you're good to go. There are times where you don't know if you're going to be able to make rent next month. You don't be, know if you're going to be able to pay utilities or you're going to be able to buy groceries. A lot of people think that entrepreneurship is almost always uh, a sure route. You've always got this next big idea and uh, they think it's quick and uh, easy to get rich. And that is not the case. You even see that with people like Elon Musk, who with his first company, I think he was sleeping on the couch at his office. He didn't have a house. He slept, he slept on a couch at his office. And then he went and showered at the local gym. You know, people think it's, it's all money, money, money. And it's not, it's not easy. I mean, I've definitely had my struggles, but I like, like I have a great backing in my family, my, you know, to help me out and keep me on my feet. And they're definitely helping me keep the dream alive and uh, I'm not going to give up. So, uh, but yeah, that's, that's really inspiring. So, um, and then now, you know, obviously you said 2020 sort of uh, made you want to go ahead and start three, two, one media. What was, why did you guys think that you wanted to go that route of producing podcasts? Was it because Ben was already within that realm of yeah i mean he was already within that realm and like when i say we do podcasts like that's that's just one aspect of our business yeah. we are a digital media agency we are a video marketing production company we do live stream broadcasting um we manage and handle social media content for small businesses podcast is just one aspect of mm-hmm. media production that we do um why we did that you know again I've been in this type of space in this media type of industry for 12 years. Uh, my business partner, Ben, had a business called DMB Media. He still has that business that was doing almost what we're doing with 321 on, on a different scale. Um, and, you know, he like he loves what he does. He's a creative guy. Um, he doesn't always love running the business aspect of it. And uh, that's that's where I sort of sort of came into uh, the conversation. Um, but I, you know, there, there's a couple different reasons why I wanted to do it. One, I, I wanted a pandemic proof business, right? Um, you know, the DJ business is great when everything is open and, you know, who knows if we're going to go through this again, you know, it might be another hundred years, but I, again, as you know, my wife is a stay at home mom. I'm the only one with an income in the house. I need to make sure that I have all my ducks in a row. So if the DJ business goes down, I still have money coming in and it's not going to hurt as bad. Um, that that was the driving force behind it for me. But I love what we do. It's I love media. I mean, the first business I ever started was, you know, I was doing video production and it's not something that I've been able to do um, as much with the DJ business. But now we have an outlet to to do that. And we have a roadmap in place to expand outside of the immediate area and hopefully take this agency nationwide at some point. Um, but that that's, that's the goal. That's, you know, that's, that's the motivation there. Yeah. Great. So I'm curious to hear, uh, what inspired the name three, two, one media. That's a really so, yeah, good name. You, you'd have to, thank you. Uh, you, for the full story, uh, you really have to talk to Ben about that one. Um, the numbers have significant meaning to him with, um, res- with regards to, you know, his parents, um, who he unfortunately lost in, in 2020, um, from the, you know, one from the pandemic and, and one from other reasons, but it has a huge connection with him and his dad. Um, but also three, two, one go, um, you know, it's, it's sort of on the theme of, you know, we're on set, we're filming three, two, one. Mm-hmm. So that's, that has a couple of different meanings, but we might have to get Ben on the show for you for the full, uh, you know, reveal of why we're called three, two, one media. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, like I said, it's a great name. So can you go uh, and I mean, I know you said you still deal with with the business aspect, but I'd love to hear an overview of what goes on behind the scene and live stream production, because I know that especially live streaming on multiple platforms at once is very difficult. It's not like you just pop open Instagram, click on your story and then go live. Mm -hmm. It's not that easy. So can you sort of explain what goes into that? 
Sure. I mean, it, it kind of depends on on the type of broadcast you're doing, the type of live stream. You know, we we do live streams that are done, you know, 100% virtual. Um, for example, uh, we did uh, recently a eight-hour live stream to support the Ronald McDonald House Charities of New England. Um, I'm running the Boston Marathon for them. So we had this massive eight-hour production where we had uh, virtual performances from musicians, from authors, artists, uh, comedians, trivia hosts, literally from all over the country, um, where we had you know two people hosting. Um, I was running a marathon live on the air. Uh, so we had multiple cameras going in different spots. Uh, and we were able to bring in um, those acts either pre-recorded or live. Um, and again, the, the platforms that we use allow us to take that signal and send it out to five, six, seven, seven different channels at once. So we were able to stream directly to the Ronald McDonald House Charities of New England Facebook page, our social media outlets, LinkedIn Live, YouTube Live, um, and, and things like that all at once. So really, it's the platform that you use. Um, where it gets a little bit more difficult is when you're doing a hybrid event. So the hybrid mm -hmm. event would be an in-person event that is live streamed as it's happening. So yes, could you do this on your phone? Sure, but you're not going to have enough battery. It's not going to look good. You know, uh, So what we do is we have the equipment to be able to pump out our own 5G signal, and we have encoders that can take that uh, the video that we're recording in real time and send it back to uh, a system that, again, I'm not the technical guy here. I think they I think they call it OBS, um, but that signal gets sent out to to the producer and they're able to take that signal and the same thing as what we do with, uh, you know, with what I just explained, they can send it out to multiple different channels, but we can do that live on the scene with like a half a second delay. Um, so it's it's almost just as good as an actual news broadcast without all of the trucks and heavy equipment. Yeah, it's it's curious to hear that, you know, why do these news companies buy all this expensive equipment and have all these different procedures when you could do it like how you do it? I mean, honestly, I, I think it's just, you know, sort of they've been doing it this way for so many years. And mm -hmm. now we actually do have that technology. Right. So the only, I guess, downside would be is, you know, our technology relies off of a 5G signal or a cell signal or 4G um, or an Internet connection at the location, whereas they have all of that stuff right on the truck, right? You've seen the satellites okay. on the truck and things like that. So uh, it's probably a little bit more reliable on their end. Um, mm -hmm. But that being said, we've we haven't run into an issue where we've lost signal or, or anything like that. So, you know, I think it's just peace of mind for them more than anything. Yeah. Interesting. So what uh, do you find is the most difficult part in running this type of business? Hmm. That's a good question. I yeah, mean, I asked, but, I asked you know, that to a lot. Client acquisition is always the most difficult mm -hmm. part of any business, right? Like we know what we do, we know what we're good at. Um, I, I think a lot of it would be um, educating the community on what it is that we do, because I think there is a um, you know, preconceived notions of of what a media production agency does, right? Like everybody thinks like if we produce we produce social media content, that's the bulk of our business. Um, but we're not social media managers. We're not going to respond to comments. We're not going to do those sorts of things. So really it's just educating, you know, prospective clients and the community on exactly what we do to kind of clear up any of those um, preconceived notions of what it is that we actually do. Okay. Very interesting. And and I say very interesting, way too much. Okay. <laughs> but we, should, we can get a, a little clicker going here. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I, apparently that's the thing I say in a lot of podcasts. So that's all right. There are people that count that, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, so we're going to stay on this most difficult part. Um, so what was the most difficult part of starting this type of business? Uh, for me, it was it was leaving the situation that I was in um, because I, I needed money coming in the door. Right. So um, I myself and Ben 
we're talking about starting three, two, one since probably the summer of 2020. Um, my business was still a hundred percent shut down at that time. Um, and I was actively seeking employment just to bring some money in the door because I was, I was literally living off of my life savings. Like here I am at 33 now and essentially starting from scratch because I had to live off of everything that I had saved. Um, and you know, it's, it, I, again, I didn't like the situation that I was in, but it was bringing in good money and I couldn't necessarily say, all right, I, I can start this business and work at this company in Fall River full time. It just wouldn't have worked. So I, what I did was I just waited a little bit more till, until my DJ business came back in full swing. So I have eight guys who go out and do gigs for me throughout the week. So once that money started rolling in again, um, that's when I said, okay, now I'm comfortable enough where I have my regular income coming in that I can go out and make, you know, this new company and start this new business. So the, the most difficult decision was being able to leave a, a company that was bringing in a really good salary, um, to justify starting a new business. So mm-hmm. that, that, that's why it kind of was stagnated and, and took a little bit longer than maybe Ben would have liked. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to, you know, being your own boss and starting your own company, I think the, the risks are definitely high, but the, but what you get out of it is much higher, you know, it's high risk, high reward. And, um, it's funny. I've said this a lot of different times. It's like, it's sort of a weird goal, but the main reason why I want to be my own boss and have my own company is because if I want to go golfing on a Thursday, afternoon i want to be able to go golfing on thursday afternoon sometimes that might not be possible because of how busy i am with the business but there's every day that i want to i don't want anybody telling me no you can't (laughs) honestly and now that you've you know you've tasted that and you have that experience you're never going to work for anybody ever again in your life i know Uh, and it's it's i mean I've, i've i've actually had job offers from people just from knowing me and knowing the business that i've ran you know job offers that I probably would have taken if it wasn't for this business, Hmm. you know, and, uh, it's just something that I just, I just want to do this. You know, it's something happened to me, um, uh, last year that totally changed my perspective on life. And, uh, now I just got to go out and get it. I can't, you don't wait. I don't wait anymore. I just do it. You know what I mean? And, uh, but yeah, so, all right, back, back onto the business. So something that I always find curious is how does a marketing company, essentially, you know, digital media agency, you guys are market themselves. (laughs) Not very well. Sometimes, you know, that's, that's the thing. It's like the old adage of like the plumber will fix everybody else's pipes except their own. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we essentially take the same stance as how we market other businesses on social media with, with the formula that we use, um, and, and putting out that same type of, uh, video content, educational content, um, you know, as we grow, you know, we're still a small young company. We, we have four people working, including myself and, and Ben, um, you know, it'll be easier for us as we hire admin help down the road to build that presence and market our business on social like we want to and like we need to. Um, but the main thing for us right now is just focusing on producing a fantastic product for our customers. Um, and, you know, that word of mouth marketing right now is, is best. Um, but like I said, you know, our focus as we grow and as we expand is to produce educational content to essentially, um, you know, give, uh, the small business community, a resource to come to. And like, essentially our social media page will be, you know, tips, tricks on content creation, things of this nature for, you know, small business and and form relationships that way. So it's really taking an educational approach um, with the social media and with the content that we create um, and just making sure that we put it out on a consistent basis. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so all right. So I, and you had mentioned uh, that you have, including you and Ben, you have four employees. Including us. Yes. Including yeah. you and Ben. And, so, and I, I like to differentiate too. So our business model is we, you know, we like to keep 
uh, the autonomy of the freelancer. Um, and we are 1099 contractor company. We do not have any employees. We're all 1099s. Oh, okay. All right. So, so, I mean, I guess for now anyways. Yeah. So when you, when you, when these people approach you, these two other people looking to sort of work for you, what do you look for in, 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 when you're, I mean, hiring essentially an employee, but now that you say that, not really an employee. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, first and foremost, I guess it depends on what the position is, right? So mm-hmm. we have a post-production manager who first and foremost, like we want to make sure that they know how to edit video and and do it in a way that's going to be on brand. Um, that's first and foremost, but really with me, and this doesn't even have to do with hiring people in the media company. This is, you know, me hiring people for my DJ business is, is I, I need optimism and a good attitude. If If I can sense any sort of you know, negative energy from somebody. That's not someone who I want to work in and around my business. I need positive energy surrounding me. And I don't like to work with people who um, have a negative thing to say about everything. And sometimes you don't know that until after you've hired the person and you've worked with them for a few months um, Mm -hmm. and those things start showing. But really, I just look for first and foremost for a good attitude for a can do attitude for somebody who's a team player and is is not ego driven i guess yeah so you guys aren't you guys aren't having any employment issues right now like uh you know employee shortages or things like that no i mean that's the beauty of of the freelance market right is you know the people that we're working with are people who already do this on their own um and either need uh some projects to work on or they're just down for the cause and down for you know building the business and 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 they just like what we're doing um but yeah i mean that's uh that's the gist so i heard you mention uh on brand so when you talk about video editing and staying on brand can you uh sort of expand on that a little bit um, it, it, I mean, on brand is just, you know, I, I mean, maybe I should have said, you know, within our style parameters, you mm-hmm. know, just the ideas that we have in our head, we want to make sure they're able to to come to fruition in, in post-production. Um, so on brand would just be, you know, that look that we're going for, that style that of, of um, posts that we put out. Uh, we want everyone to be able to look at the content that we're producing and know that that was produced through 321 Media and not through some other type of marketing agency. Great. Um, so I guess I, can, I, I sort of want to, that was a good voice crack. I want to backtrack all the way back to the, beginning you know we had talked about your first business and everything like that did you know when you were in high school that you wanted to have your own business or be an entrepreneur yeah i've kind of known my whole life to be honest with you i mean i was i was the kid with the lemonade stand when i was like 10 years old and selling hot lemonade in my neighborhood in west warwick where i grew up uh so I always knew like, and besides the lemon, like I was going door to door and washing people's cars and shoveling driveways. I've always been entrepreneurial. I didn't know it when I was a kid. Right. But maybe in high school is when I started to realize that I took an entrepreneurship class at Sharaho and I had to put together a business plan for the first time. So that was the first business plan that I ever wrote. Um, mm. and, and I knew that I eventually wanted to work for myself in some capacity. And Really, I just it, that was all reiterated again when I got that first corporate job and and realized that I just wasn't necessarily cut out for that type of an environment. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think makes somebody who is born to be an entrepreneur? I don't know. I think it's so different depending on the person, right? I, mm-hmm. I think I think a lot of it is personality driven. Um, I. I feel like a lot of the entrepreneurs I meet are very, very type A, um, sort of bull by the horns type people, uh, go getters. Uh, but I don't know, like it's, was I born with this quality that just makes me want to start businesses? Maybe I, I'm honestly, I think it's a little bit of ADHD. Um, uh, you know, I can't focus on one thing for too long before I have to move to the next. So I think that's why, um, you know, I wasn't cut out for the mundane nine to five of doing the same thing every single day. You know, being an entrepreneur um, and a small business owner, you know, you're constantly doing something different. So I like the variety and, and I think that's what, what keeps it going. Mm-hmm. Great. And I have a question about growth. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of businesses, 
you know, it's a good problem to have. Growth is a good problem to have, but a lot of time businesses don't know how to manage growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, throughout year two, I mean, three, two, one, and then there's a uh, Wiley Entertainment, right? I mean, between those two businesses, what did you find was the most difficult thing to manage as you were growing? Mm-hmm. Hiring good employees or good good help, I should say. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say employees. Um, that's the biggest thing. Um, and that's something I'm experiencing right now with the DJ business. So I'm I'm not like this is my last year dealing with private events and weddings and things of that nature. But I'm keeping the uh, the trivia franchise running, and I could, we have 19 restaurants right now. I could have five or six more tomorrow if I had the people right. So that's really the biggest thing is you have to have the foundation of a good team and and people who are trained in in what you need them to do. Um, to be able to grow, uh, you know, getting at least right now, getting the business is not the problem. It's it's finding the people to carry out the business. That is a reoccurring issue throughout a lot of different businesses. Unfortunately, it is. It, it's sort of like I mean, you you have the business, but you can't handle it, you know. And I I I mean, if if my business keeps up like it has this past couple of months, I definitely see myself needing help in the future. But I mean, the thing is, is um. The type of work I do, you sort of you sort of need to have experience in CAD design and 3D printing, and that's a really niche market, and not a lot of people are into that. So it's going to be tough if I ever need help finding somebody who's reliable uh, to help, you know. So and and not have to pay them one hundred and fifty thousand. I, I would maybe check out New England Tech and see if you can get involved in an intern program. Yeah, I have looked into that. I did have somebody through uh, the the high school actually help oh, me nice. out with some CAD work. But I mean, it's it's tough because you know they're in high school and they're worried about different things, you know, than CAD design and things like that. Right. You know, so it, it's really tough. And uh, and sometimes I get jobs that are super advanced uh, that you know include assemblies and and, and moving parts and needing to know how to do that in CAD is very difficult. But the great thing is, is there is this plethora of, of resources and, and, and sort of like you see in Fiverr and things like that. And people can, you can just outsource online and there's a lot of good designers, but I like to keep it in house as much as I can, you know, and help support the community. So I definitely would look into that. Um, but yeah, so, so you mentioned three, two, one endurance. That's something that you talk about a lot. What inspired you to have the, uh, combination of marketing and endurance running and things like that well it's you know one proof of concept right like mm-hmm. i, I want to be able to um you know if i'm I'm talking to people about their youtube channel i want to be able to have that conversation and be like oh i'm a youtuber too right so there there's that but you know again it's something i'm passionate about so three two one endurance is is not a business not yet anyways, it's, you know, it is a passion project. Um, the reason why I'm so passionate about endurance sports and and running and things of that nature is because it's something I, I'm very heavily involved with at the end of 2018. Um, I was not really living the life that I wanted to live. I was maybe drinking a little too much at my gigs throughout the week with the DJ business because it's kind of hard to stay away from that. It's kind of hard to stay away from the fried foods when you're in and out of restaurants hosting trivia. Um, I was about 25 pounds heavier than I am now. I just I felt like garbage and I just decided then and there that I was going to you know, stop drinking, stop eating like crap and and get fit uh, for a lot of different reasons. One, I've, I've been an athlete the majority of my life. And after I had kids that kind of just got brushed under the rug um, and, and I needed a competitive outlet, but it, it was really about health and, you know, being, uh, being there for my kids when they're older and being able to run around the yard with them and, and things of that nature. So that's how it started. Um, and then I, once I, I, I got fit again, I guess, you know, I started doing CrossFit and then I started running. Um, I always hated running, but the more I did it, the more I liked it later in life. Uh, and then I started doing races and then I started getting competitive in my races. And that's really what spurred me going from, you know, starting at a Tough Mudder and a Spartan race to now doing the Boston Marathon and Ironman triathlons and and things of that that nature. Um, and what inspired the Endurance Channel was I wanted it to be a resource 
for people like me who were maybe, you know, were, were a good athlete in high school and in college. And then, you know, they let themselves go for a little while and they rediscovered their fitness in their thirties or in forties or, or later in life. And, and now it's a lifestyle and, um, it's, it's just all about, you know, inspiring others to get fit and live as healthy as possible. Um, that that's the basis for the show. And, you know, when I talk to these different people from all over the world, there's very different stories, but all similar themes. Everyone has had this, some type of struggle that they've gone through that led them to the point that they said that they were going to go and climb this mountain or run this race or do this or do that. And the amount of interesting people I get to talk to because of this common bond of, of being an endurance athlete is, is just amazing. I mean, I've, I've, I've literally met people and have friends all over the world now, um, from this, this podcast that I just started recently. Um, Mm -hmm. it's unbelievable. So how many episodes do you have in the pipeline to be posted? Uh, well, let's see, we have, let me just put, I can pull up my sheet right here as we're, we're talking. Um, I've, had one, two, three, four, five that have actually aired. And I have weekly shows in the can until the middle of April. Wow. Um, so it's, it's been pretty successful so far. I mean, don't ask me how many listeners I have. I really have no idea. I don't pay attention to that stuff. That's stuff that my team Hmm. takes care of. Um, I'm just more concerned with the networking aspect of the podcast, meeting new people and getting these stories out there. And of course, uh, producing some social content for them after the fact. So, I mean, I don't know how deep we can get into this next question because obviously it gets into the more of the backbone of the business. And so when it comes to sponsors, Mm -hmm. um, how do you look for a sponsor Do sometimes the sponsors reach out to you for the podcast. Cause I noticed you have that hat, hat company that sponsors your podcast. Focogear.com. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Focogear, I think I have one of the hats hanging around here somewhere. Um, so that's actually, uh, just a, that's an ambassador situation, right? So they, you know, I filled out an application, um, to represent this brand because I actually really do enjoy the brand. It's not just some some, you know, uh, front that I put on, uh, I like, I don't look good in hats. I always say this, but I look good in a Boko gear hat. Uh, it's just the best mm-hmm. fitting hat that I've found for my bald head. Uh, so I was, you know, accepted onto that ambassador program and I didn't want to take an approach on Instagram. Like, Oh, here I am with my Boko gear hat. Like everybody else does. Cause that's stupid and redundant and everybody's already done it. So I approached them in, in talking about, you know, having them sponsor the podcast instead, um, which is interesting because I get to promote the podcast, but then the guest is promoting it as well. So they're kind of getting, you know, a little bit more bang for the buck there, but I don't, I don't have other sponsors other than that, paying me to come on the podcast, uh, for, for that specifically. Did they ever ask how many listeners you had or no, I was, I was, I was already brought on as part of the ambassador program. Okay. So it's essentially like it's influencer marketing, right? Like I'm not, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't consider myself to be an influencer by any means, like maybe a micro influencer. Right. But, you know, there's something to be said, even if you have 500 or a thousand followers, that's still 500 or a thousand people in micro markets that, that could potentially buy that product. Um, so it's a win-win for them. They let me represent the brands. Um, they give me some free stuff, some discounts, and, and it's a win-win situation. All right. Very cool. So, uh, I think it's time to start wrapping up a little bit. Uh, so the last question that I ask uh, at the end of each episode is what sort of advice would you want to leave the listener? It can be about life, business, marketing, anything you want. Wow. Well, that's this. <laughs> I could give you, you know, five different answers, I guess, but I, I would say you know, it's been my motto since I changed my lifestyle in 2018 was it's be comfortable with being uncomfortable, or if you're not get comfortable being uncomfortable, because life is not comfortable, it will completely upend your roots and throw you to the streets. And you need to be comfortable with that. And you need to understand that, um, that you are in control of, of your reactions and where you want to go in life. And if you are, uh, 
if you are having negative reactions to anything that happens around you or in the world, that's not a positive thing for the outcome, right? Like I, I use the example of what happened to me personally in 2020 when I, I, I lost a business that I built for a decade. Um, I'm not the only one this happened to. I'm not special. Um, but I, I went from a good six-figure income to $0 overnight. Um, it was devastating, right? And I had two weeks of feeling really sorry for myself, um, very sorry for myself. Uh, it, was, it was a very dark two weeks of my life, but I, I decided that I could either do something about it and I could you know, get comfortable in that situation and, and pull myself out of it, or I could not. And I probably wouldn't have been here having this conversation with you today. Um, so the biggest piece of advice, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You're never going to start a business if you're you know, afraid of everything that's going to happen. You're never going to be successful at your job if you're not afraid to speak up or speak out um, for certain things. Um, so that that's, I, I don't know if that's good advice, but that's oh, been my that's mantra great. for a few years. And and I would highly encourage everyone to, to take that same mantra and instill it in some way, shape or form in their own life. People are always scared to, to, you know, get into new things and be uncomfortable, like you said. So I think that's really great advice. So thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. And, and thanks for taking time out of your busy day to come on the podcast. And it's a great conversation. I really, uh, I really like talking to you and, um, yeah, I hope to have you maybe have you on with Ben sometime in the future. That'd be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is definitely being counted as a one-to-one, by the way. So yes, <laughs> <laughs> this is probably more informative than any one-to-one will be able to to have. Right? Is you know just talking all about the businesses, and uh, it was it was a pleasure being on the podcast. Keep it keep it up. Uh, Knowledge is power is a great podcast. Um, Thank you. You know, and and you're a young buck, so the 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 future is is very bright for you, my friend. Um, keep keep it up, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. Thank you very much for those words. So, guys, make sure to check out Knowledge Is Power on Instagram at Knowledge Is Power underscore RI. Make sure to check it out on Patreon. I'll be coming out for with some cool content for Patreon.com forward slash KIP dash POD. Got to catch up on that. Um, and make sure to leave us a rating. You can now rate podcasts on Spotify. So feel free to leave us uh, a star, five-star rating if you feel like it on Spotify. Rate us on Apple Podcasts as well. So thanks, guys, for listening. And I will catch you in the next one.